0: Welcome to Navigating Your Financial Journey with Kelly and Matt from Palomar Wealth. In this podcast, we help individuals and families who are ready to create stability for now, security for the future, and flexibility for those moments that change life's trajectory. Please join us as we plot the course towards financial success. Welcome
1: back to Navigating Your Financial Journey with Kelly. And Matt, and we just wanted to start out with a little public service announcement. We are not professional podcasters, so as, we, At all. <laughs> as we've as we've been editing these episodes, we've noticed that we have um, some vocal ticks and other repetitive uh, phrases, such as and so and so and. That is going to be maybe a game you can play where you count how many times we repeat ourselves. So we just want to say thanks for sticking with us. And um, hopefully, we learn and grow in our podcasting skills to make this a little more pleasant to listen to. Right, today, we're going to cover a very important topic that not a lot of people want to think about right away. Um, it's your retirement. And so I want to lay out the case for why is it important to plan even as you're in your 20s or 30s and it's never too late plan. So if you're in your 40s like me or after that 50s, 60s, still we're talking about retirement. Matt's going to set us up with some current stats on where are we at as Americans right now in terms of our overall participation in retirement.
2: Yeah, so we're, and so. (laughs) (laughs) There it goes. We wanted to present some facts about retirement, really setting this up as a not necessarily a call to action, but really reflect on, you know, what is the state of retirement in the U.S., why that's important. We, we You know, we've talked about this as the foundation, you know, your house of security, retirement is definitely a part of that. It's a very important piece. So let's talk about these facts, and then we're going to get into just some information about the types of retirement accounts and, and some more information on that. Okay, so first fact is around how many people only have Social Security as their retirement plan or what they're going to use for their main source of income. Individuals age 65 or older for whom Social Security represents 90% or more of their income, that's actually 13.8%. And we're getting this from the Social Security Administration uh, documentation. Bump that up to how many individuals 65 or older where 50% or more of Social Security is their primary income, that's just shy of 40%, 39.9%. Hey,
1: Matt, I'm going to interrupt just a quick minute and just in case this isn't clear for everybody um, can you just define a little bit further like what is social security just the nutshell version of the program
2: right social security is a we'll call it a safety net program that was developed back several decades ago and you basically as a worker earn credits towards earning social security and for most people if you earn 40 credits which you can get four credits per year so basically if you've worked 10 years It doesn't have to be continuous, but if you have 10 years of work credit, then you can become eligible for Social Security. And they look at your top 35 years, I believe, of wage history and determining how much Social Security benefit you get. Now, there's also a sliding scale because you can retire what's called early retirement, or you can actually delay past your full retirement age. Um, but it is a government-issued check for retirees.
1: And if you have a W-2 income, that gets collected um, on your behalf from your paycheck yes. every single time. Yep. So you may not realize that it's coming out, but the letters FICA.
2: Yep. Your FICA tax yep. includes that Social Security portion.
1: So just keep that in mind. We'll probably do a later episode all about Social all about Security it. because there are a lot of um, nooks and crannies and. A lot of good information. Claiming
2: strategies, spousal components. Yep, a lot to that. Yeah, a lot to know. Well, Kelly, we have we have another fact that you pulled from your CHI CHFC course. Why don't you share that one too?
1: Yeah, this one really caught me off guard, and I really wanted to save it for this episode. Um, Almost half of Americans have less than twenty-five thousand in savings, and one in four have less than a thousand. In terms of retirement savings, thinking about how that's meant to last for an extended number of years—if almost half of us only have twenty-five thousand or less—that's just very. Um, that's the right word. At yeah, at least. It's, concerning. There, there's a lot. I'm not at the source today <laughs> to come up with a good uh, synonym here, but uh, it's it is it's concerning and it's eye-opening and it's something that we want to help more people with to right. to bring this to the fore.
2: Yep. So keeping on, on the same terms, there are kind of data on what have Americans saved, and this comes from a PricewaterhouseCoopers market research study. 13% of those 60-plus have no retirement savings. And we're going to get into a fact later on after we've covered some other topics that goes into the average age of when people retire. So if 60-plus, 60, 60 13% of people have no retirement savings, that, that sends a big message to. Um, and then the median retirement savings balance for those aged 55 to 64
1: is $120,000. i am thinking about just your annual income and how many years would that last you? And even if it's invested, that, you know, the math doesn't add up. And so um, it's, it's interesting. I kind of draw, uh, drew a correlation between that pwc market research the 13 percent of those 60 and plus don't have any retirement savings that really lines up with the social security administration's 13.8 so cross-referencing each other um that's that's valid and so um knowing that is that's just i don't know caught me yeah
2: caught my eyes yeah okay so that's kind of the sorry fear factor element but (laughs) it it sends us a message and our objective obviously with this podcast series and and just our jobs is we want to we are educators, and we want people to be more prepared. And how do we set people up for success? And back to my carpe diem, you know, seize the day. Now is the time. Let's just talk about retirement options, and we're we're bringing this, you know, to a thirty thousand foot level. We're really talking about we call this 401k versus pensions. The better term may be defined benefit versus defined contribution. When we say 401k, that could encompass other types of employer plans like the 403Bs, the 457s. Or if you work for yourself or a small company, there's SEP IRAs, self-employed, and simple IRAs too.
1: Yeah, and I think good to just call out that in years past, defined benefit plans, which are – Often referred to as pensions, um, were very common, and mm-hmm. now they're very, very they rare. Fading. Yes,
2: fading and quite a bit.
1: The defined contribution plans um, do require a level of opting in, and so that voluntary participation component, I think, maybe adds up to why some of these numbers are so stark. To see that so few people have saved, and the amount that they have saved. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about these different plans and then give some strategies uh, as well in terms of what we want to be doing
2: yeah a personal example for me is my previous job i i actually did have a pension as part of that that pension is very dependent on you working there your years of service getting high enough for that then to turn into a, a fairly decent payout once you're in retirement uh, but they are fading uh, that mm-hmm. that particular company that i work for because I still get updates because I am part of that retirement system, they actually are ending or have ended the pension for new hires. And there's many stories like that across the country where pensions are are definitely falling falling in uh, usage.
1: Another important point that we wanted to, to bring up was just that pensions, the risk is being bore by the employer, and so they are taking care of the investment strategies, mm-hmm. and they are making a promise to pay out this specific amount based on their formula that they've um, pre-set. Right. That's uh, a big difference, and so the money that is going into the pension is being managed by the company or another um, trust provider or something right. like that but then the employees that's the part where um, we have the risk so when we have a 401k plan for example and we have to select what investments we want to choose are we going to take a target date fund for or like
2: them? you said just how much if anything we are adding to it you know, yeah. the risk is on the employee yep.
1: so if you could give maybe some pros and cons of that defined contribution the 401k type plan that would be, that would be really helpful yeah.
2: not an exhaustive list I'm sure people could come up with other maybe more granular pros and cons. But for defined contributions, three kind of pro-cons that we put down. One of the pros is the fact that a defined contribution travels with you. So that is your asset. And if you leave that employer and go to another one, you've got options where you can roll that into your new company plan. If they have a defined contribution, you can roll it into an individual retirement account where you're managing it or you have a financial service person managing that. So, it's portable, and, and that is a I would definitely put that in the pro column for that. Another one, a lot of times, is that you have investment selection is up to the owner when you have a defined contribution. So, if it's in a work plan, you're going to be limited by the choices that they have inside that plan. Mm-hmm. Now, back to that first point by being I mean, portable, if you roll it out into your own IRA, that actually could expand your options for what you could be invested in. So, it's kind of on both sides of the fence, it's maybe a con. Your, your plan doesn't have a lot of options, but if you roll it out into your own, that could create more options for your investment choices.
1: Uh, and Just a quick thought, too, on that is um, knowing that it's set there and you might not have control over it, you may not be able to roll it out while you're still employed, but some people do offer an in-service rollover, so that's something you might want to check on. So you do get a uh, annual document, the Summary Plan Description, SPD, and that would really help provide you with some more information on what does my plan offer just keep that in mind. Educate yep. yourself.
2: Yep. Last one for defined contributions would be the fact, and, and Kelly already hit on this to some degree, is elective contributions. There's been more legislation out there about requiring defined contributions to almost have a auto-enroll unless the person mm-hmm. opts out of having savings start. But right now, I think a majority of them are you have to elect to make the contribution. You know, it should be part of your kind of onboarding pack, but again, educate yourself, like Ellie just said. You got to save for it to, to do anything for you.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering if you have this later on, but I want to throw it out there. With a lot of defined contribution 401k type plans, there is the match, and so that's a huge positive. So if you're putting in, let's say, 3%, and your company says we're going to match up to 3%, or 6 or whatever the number is, that's free money. Yep. And if you can find a way in your budget to make just even the match amount work. That's the best thing you can do for yourself because you're taking advantage and doubling effectively what you're able to contribute.
2: Making that money work for you. Mm -hmm. We talked about pros and cons for defined contribution. Let's talk about that same thing, but for defined benefits of the pension plans. Big pro right right off the bat is guaranteed amount, right? Based on that formula, your years of service, that becomes a guaranteed payment stream at least for your life, a lot of them have a spousal component, so you can elect to have even some, some of them up to 100% of that pension still passes on to, to the surviving spouse.
1: I think it's important to just note that when you select something like that where it extends the time period over two people's lives, you typically get a, a smaller benefit, but for some people, they prefer to have that stability and know that they're going to receive that amount, even it, if it's slightly less. Yeah,
2: it's, that's, it's kind of a risk management uh, decision. Another similar, where we had one of these with defined contributions, it kind of sits on both the pros and cons side of things, is t- that defined benefit is and pensions are tied to years, years of service. So the good side of that is if you have longevity and have worked for a company for a long time, that should translate into a higher pension amount when you retire. The bad side is if you are not having longevity in your jobs and, and you are moving from companies to yes. and you're not racking up years of service it's not going to translate into maybe even a, a substantial portion of your retirement. And then end of life, uh, it's not inheritable. So when you think about defined contributions, your 401Ks, your 403s and those, if there's if there's money left over when you when you pass away, it's still there. It, it's part of your estate that can be passed on to beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Where pension, it's done. Uh, it's either at the end of your life, the, the person that was part of the pension plan or if it had the spousal election, once they've passed, it stops. It's it's not, Nothing's going to get to pass on to anyone after that point.
1: I think this is just an interesting thing that also has jumped up at me is that having um, I don't, the culture, I guess, is the best way to put it now that people don't typically work at the same employer their entire life. There's a lot of mobility and people are looking for the next best thing for themselves or I don't know if it's our attention span, whatever it might be related to that. It's, probably a good thing that more companies have moved to define contribution and you have the opportunity, at least, even if not everyone selects it, um, to put into that sooner and it's not based on the formula of longevity, like yeah. the pension. Otherwise, yeah. I think we'd be in trouble as people have job skipped around right. uh, over the last 20 years.
2: I mean, that's especially highlighted these past few years with the what they call it, the great uh, resignation Yes, we've had so and much job training
1: and all yeah. these fun little terms yeah. that people are coining. Yep. Yes. So I think it is. It's important to um, to just another fun fact. Uh, uh, often I think people forget about their 401k at an employer where they maybe worked for a short period of time or they may just kind of brush it off and think, oh, you know, I'll come back to it later. But it may be a great idea. And when I say that, I mean, I actually do this um, <laughs> <laughs> to take a quick inventory. Think about all the jobs that you've had. And Mm -hmm. did I enroll in that program? Did I contribute? And find out, log in, see what you have. And if that isn't a good method for you to have them scattered in several different places, find a way if you've got a current employer that will accept... uh, the the rollover and and make it easier for you so that you can see it all in one place and and control it and and the other concern there is you know if you didn't pick like a similar investment style Mm -hmm. that those are all completely they're not coalescing where you can see like okay well here's this is super aggressive and this is over here and i've got a you know a hundred thousand dollars in a money market like that's probably not very common but (laughs) Sometimes it, it can be better to see it all in one place, um, depending on the type of person, unless they have a specific strategy there. So find out what you have, and if it helps you, which I know it would help me, put it together.
2: Mm-hmm. Inventory. I, th- I think that topic will come up a lot in our podcast. It's just a very good strategy. Yeah, know what
1: you have and why you know have
2: Jeff. It. Next, let's talk about traditional contributions versus after-tax Roth contributions, I don't have a stat. Just my general sense is probably majority of people still are contributing pre-tax dollars into their 401k plans, and we want to talk about how that kind of works on your payroll, what that could mean if you do have a Roth option, and things in that space. So thinking about your paycheck, if you are you know taking a percentage of your pay to go towards your you know defined contribution plan, that's actually creating a deduction on your paycheck. And if you're ever looking at your W-2s or your taxes, like, why are, why are boxes you know, <laughs> one, three, and five not the same? It's like, right, why are right. my earnings not the, you know? Well, what mostly is triggering that is if you've made a 401k contribution pre-tax, you actually get to reduce that from your wages on what flows through as income on your return. So it actually is giving you a current deduction by making that contribution. On the flip side, more and more companies are offering Roth elections and in that case you're using after-tax dollars so you wouldn't see that difference in your on your wage on on the w-2s
1: i think one of the important things to remember is in the end the irs will get the taxes correct, <laughs> one way or another and so it's it's all about the strategy and knowing um, what's best for you and so if you're doing the pre-tax the traditional uh, contribution it's not that you'll never pay taxes but it's not until you're retired when it's distributed. And so for some people, they may be in a higher tax bracket right now. And so that would make sense for them to get the deduction now and then defer uh, the growth and the mm-hmm. taxes until those distribution years. And so if you anticipate that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, that makes a lot more sense um, going the traditional route. But in what case where it would it make sense, Matt, for somebody to say, you know what, I think the Roth is a better choice for me?
2: Timing plays a lot into that. You know, someone who, if maybe they're An older worker in their 50s just got a Roth option. Okay, they've got a shorter time horizon before they're going to be in their retirement years. Are they going to be able to get that snowball effect of putting dollars away in Roth, building up, growing, to then take all that growth out tax-free? Is that going to accrue enough to make up the difference of if they had gotten ongoing tax benefits with pre-tax dollars? Where it might work out in your favor is maybe, again, you're a younger worker. You've got a lot longer tractor ride of okay if i'm putting in these after-tax dollars now that can really grow over the long term and, and get a big balance built up you know that then could be a situation where it pays off but again some of it's the tax bracket that you're going to be in is that going to make sense um, yeah and, it, and, and we never know i mean tax rates are going to change i mean yeah, based no on has, current taxes yeah, <laughs> based on what you know now i mean that can yeah. obviously change
1: well it, you probably already said this but just as a reminder that because you've already paid taxes on the after-tax Roth contributions, whether that is into a Roth IRA that you own or at a 401k if they offer the Roth option, that those funds won't be taxed then at distribution. Right. So it grows tax-free and then it is distributed tax-free. So that is the big benefit that yeah. um, we're looking at.
2: Yeah. Just a couple other just things to keep in mind with your 401k contributions are there are limits... So the IRS each year sets limits on how much you can contribute inside of your 401k's. Uh, they actually just released for for upcoming what 2023 is going to be mm-hmm. it's there's some high highly compensated employee things that could change this but for the most part people I think it's up to 22,500 now is going to be the 401k limit that the you as the employee can contribute. Now there's still the piece on top that you're employer yeah, can give yes. and there is a limit on that too but for you as the employee it's you know like i said around that twenty-two thousand dollar amount and there is a catch-up provision if you're above either 50 or 55 that can allow you to add a little bit more i
1: think it's age 50 that you get an additional thousand i think it's up to seventy-five hundred per year for yeah it's they the peg it to inflation so that number
2: can well you'll see that that extra limit go up over so many years
1: so good to know the numbers and i yeah that's a quick google search of what are the current (laughs) what are the current contribution limits for you know 2022 or for 2023
2: one other item this is kind of a unique thing Roth 401ks actually do have a required minimum distribution so when you turn 72 with a regular you know pre-tax 401k or traditional IRAs IRS starts requiring a minimum distribution Roth 401Ks also have an RMD, but if you have it on a Roth IRA, you do not. Planning-wise, you might get to a point where you actually spin that out, rolled over into a, a Roth IRA, so that you're not forced to take distributions.
1: And just in case this helps anybody else, because when I used to hear some of these terms, my brain would explode a little bit. <laughs> so Roth 401K, remember with the 401K, that's held at your employer. And then a Roth IRA is something that you're holding separately at, yeah. you know, like a, Fidelity or another company, some, you know, Schwab, whatever you might be using, that is something that you're holding as an individual. Yep.
2: All right. Let's wrap up, Kelly, with some more facts. I know, fun facts. All the facts. And I think this will complement some of the facts that we talked about at the beginning. This is around life expectancy stats. You know, when I've been doing financial plans in the past, I have had people that have struggles, maybe not this word, but just... How do they wrap their head around what's what's a planning number I should be using on, you know, when should I expect to What do, what do people spend in retirement if they don't right. have a grasp of what should they be targeting for? And so we actually pulled some data from the C D C around life expectancy and also some data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics around age of retirement, retirement spending and things like that. Kelly and I were doing some more digging right it was a very interesting how the life expectancy numbers have changed when you look at previous generations. Currently, and this is from the latest we could grab, was 2018. Life expectancy is 78.7 years. But if you go back, if someone was born in 1950, it was 68.2. Ten years later, 1960, it was 69.7. Ten years later, 1970, it
1: was 70.8. So yeah, we're getting more longevity yeah. in um and an important point here is, you know, that 78.7 current 2018 number of life expectancy, that's an average between um, men and women. So there are differences Mm -hmm. in gender, and then you always, you know, have to think about health and um, genetics and all the other factors that could go into this. But this is just a nice ballpark number for us to give a sense of, all right, what is a average place um, to start? And then to think about that as including someone's whole life expectancy. So that's mm-hmm. including infant mortality and um, accidental deaths and, and you know middle years. And so right. thinking about if you've made it to age 65, mm-hmm. the 2018 numbers are that you would expect to live another 19.5 years. And that's both men and women, so that's not the, yeah. the differentiated amount. And then if you've made it to age 75, you are expected to live another 12.3 years on average. And so if you've made it to that point where you're in retirement, Uh, a lot of people generically i think 65 with the medicare number Mm -hmm. medicare age that is considered um retirement age actually the average number uh that we pulled was 64 so slightly less but knowing that you're going to live at least another 20 years so till age 85 and then thinking about all the other factors of um you know did my parents live for an extended period Mm -hmm. of time because there's a lot of stories you hear you know i had a centigenarian grandmother, and and so that's something to include in your retirement planning. Is no, you don't know what is going to be, um, what's going to happen for you in the future. But to plan conservatively, to say, all right, well, I'm going to overestimate how long I mm-hmm. I think I'll live, and that way I know I'll have enough. But yeah, if you've reached the point where you have run out of retirement funds, and you're age eighty five, are you going to want to go back to work and if you think about the average amount received in, of social security which was what matt go back to that number
2: oh the average social security benefits yes thank you is a little over fifteen hundred dollars per month
1: can you live on fifteen hundred dollars per month and that's today's dollars. so mm-hmm. just pretend like right now yep. you're 85. <laughs> yep. and think about how that would affect the rest of your your life and you've worked your whole life and you want to be able to enjoy that so this is not meant to be a fear factor to scare people and, and make anyone upset, but more to say call to action,
2: Right.
1: what do you do next? And so um, we really wanna make sure that we're aware, what do we have? So taking that inventory, and then Matt, what would, what would be some good next steps um, in terms of getting yourself on track for retirement?
2: Again, framework, this is part of your financial foundation. It is important to be thinking about this inventory, what you have, think about, okay, baseline, I probably should safely assume mid-80s for my planning perspective and national average spending of an age 65 and older is almost 50,000. What's Social Security going to provide me? Mm-hmm. What does my retirement need to provide me? So that my end of plan, I've not you know, used up all of my resources.
1: And you may have already said this in a previous podcast, but it probably bears repeating, is that you can log into Social Security, is it just, yeah, ssa.gov. SSA. Yeah. Thank you, so fast. Um, and this is a good thing to do for your own identity protection so someone else doesn't log in and claim your social security but you can see where are you at in your Mm -hmm. credits and what your estimated benefit will be and so that is really something that can help you in terms of your planning process
2: absolutely
1: anything else we should add here matt or probably have another three episodes on retirement
2: yeah three more episodes (laughs) this is a really broad Season, season two
1: and we do we really hope that we can lay just a quick foundation but point to the value of each of these topics and and help inspire you to take some initiative and um, do better for yourself because you're worth it and we want to make sure that uh, all the years that we've worked that we're able to then enjoy in our retirement so next episode we'll be seeing you um can you remember what it is Matt but it doesn't matter because you're going to learn a lot you're going to learn so much
2: you're going to get learned.
1: <laughs> so sorry this one was a little extra long, but there's so much to cover, and we'll keep on covering more in the future. All
2: right, thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for joining Kelly and Matt to learn about navigating your financial journey. Your time, ears, and brain space are appreciated. Subscribe below to be notified as new episodes are published. Visit www.palomarwealth.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and the opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Palomar Wealth. Palomar Wealth does not provide legal, accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Palomar Wealth is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be suitable for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider for any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.